0: Welcome back, straight off the spinner rack. It is the Marvel New Universe comic podcast. I'm Steven. And Andy. And today we're going to get right into the uh, second month of the new universe titles, starting with Starbrand number two and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number two. But before we do that, let's have a little discussion, a recap of the first month's release of the new universe. Sounds good to me.
1: So I was wondering, uh, yeah, so the, the crux of the new universe, you know, the, the beginning part kind of is this white event, right So mysterious flash handled in some of the comics um, that for the most part, you, know, for the ones that have superpowers, that gave them their powers. So how do you you think they handled the white event in the round
0: one? So the white event is, is, as I think we said, it's more visible in the promo material than in the comics themselves. Several of them, it's sort of off screen or remember that thing that happened a few weeks ago or. Yeah. Or it's mentioned on a television set. In fact, when we'll get to later today has sort of suggests that maybe that it's more broadly, you know, working behind the scenes that we just haven't seen so far. But I think um, I like, I still like the idea of like an inciting incident, you know, uh, event that uh, really kicks things off. Um, I didn't really watch it, but I remember Smallville, I think, was described to me once as like, Clark Kent arrives, but also Kryptonite comes with him and it sort of starts things happening. And so it's not just like several isolated events. There's, you know, the hero and villain sort of coming from the same cause. That's a common trope in comics, but just Mm -hmm. several things happening, all stemming from this sort of neutral event is that's a good way to to sort of shoot off in your own direction yeah um,
1: that's very true i I did watch smallville and, and yeah a lot of the early smallville was you know kryptonite falls in the gatorade during the football game and one guy gets some sort of powers and clark has to secretly stop him and
0: yeah okay yeah that's, that's, that's <laughs> what i think i had heard yeah so. yeah but that was um, absolutely I, the case <laughs> So I mean that that's that's a good uh, I don't know verisimilitude uh, you you have um, you minimize you know how much random paranormal events you have and sort of uh, streamline it. Now the the new universe has I'd say four to six that are dependent on the white white event. Right, a couple where it doesn't really seem to be. Uh, Involved and a couple where it, it, even if it that are completely outside, like Merck doesn't really have uh, his life, is not been impacted by the white event at all. From yeah, what we can I, tell, I don't think they even mentioned it in that comic, right? Right. Same with so Spitfire. Um, until or unless he starts hunting paranormals, then this, <laughs> right. yeah, he, yeah, you know, who knows. Spitfire as well. The the there was something in the number two that I that maybe suggests there's more to it. But um, yeah, as as uh, a genius makes a suit of armor, right? Okay, you could have done that before or after or during the White Event. Um, so yeah, powers, superpowers, those are a little are specific to comic books and need you know just sort of an excuse i guess to give characters
1: something sort of plausible or you know mysterious enough but people don't have to scratch their heads too much about it i kind of like it's good to be kind of
0: vague about it yeah like you know it's an event and stuff just started (laughs) happening oh okay well
1: Yeah, I, I actually, you know, in, in reading all of them, sort of very deliberately, I kind of think about, you know, how the white event was introduced, and of course, you know, it, it played a huge role in Kickers Inc. and a huge role in Nightmask, uh, as you know, quite directly. You know, we get to see them gain their powers that way, um, even if, like, you know, it doesn't, you know, it wasn't a major part of the story of those issues. Um, So it felt weird at first that like Merc and spitfire don't really um talk about it that much but it's also kind of nice like so if they're building a universe from the ground up you know it's not eight superhero comics right you know so there's some good variety there um and uh yeah you you don't really need it yeah so if you're gonna make a war book you know you don't really need the white event and, and yeah maybe it'll show up later but uh yeah. the Merck story didn't need it uh, to be interesting and spitfire and the troubleshooters didn't really need it either again because you know if if everybody had superpowers in a new universe where it was supposed to be a little more grounded in reality uh maybe that wouldn't be the best plan going forward so yeah I, it, it, it makes it interesting it gives you something to kind of think about and look out for too so
0: yeah the um i think we'll see as it goes along they sort of will will maybe you know rethink some of their initial ideas and try to you know make things cohere a little better and so how much we like that or not i don't know but
1: we'll find we'll out take it i as it read goes. most of it yeah yeah <laughs> do you have any favorites so far of the bunch
0: so, so far, um, I, 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 I hew to my, my original thoughts that, uh, I like star brand and justice and DP seven, mm-hmm. um, night Mask, uh, is, uh, fun. um, Merc was stronger than I'd remembered. I I, I I did have that back in the day, but I, I didn't really think much of it in retrospect. But mm-hmm. um, looking at it with fresh eyes, yeah, I really quite enjoyed it. Um, the others were okay. Um, Cyforce was fine. I, I, I'd never really tried it beyond the first issue. So um, <laughs> Overall, I, I'm yeah maybe Merck surprised me um star brand i i've it's probably the one i've um i also have reread you know in the last five years or so yeah and uh so i'm it it holds a a, a spot with me as confusing as it was sometimes <laughs> yeah i don't think we've got to the confusing parts yet though it's still on a good uh clean uh streak yeah how about you
1: yeah i i I agree i i knew star brand and dp7 i had read those before most of the way and so i i I enjoyed them and still do i really kind i really like all the ones were good comics right so so there was better and there was worse um and the art ranged a little bit but um yeah like really all eight were fun and worth reading i think um you know if if we ranked kickers as one of the weaker ones it's just you know it's hard to tell a good football team football related comic honestly i think Um, well
0: i mean uh, so for me i think how would we would we have released these because part of what i was uh, i had sent you like a a list of like how the original marvel universe was released and it's like fantastic four is alone for like six months and then you get one or two titles spider-man comes in like a year later um so by two or three years in you've got maybe eight titles yeah you don't no one dumped them all at once so the for me you know i think there you you have two or three solid ones in here i mean um say star brand and DP seven and I don't know Merck maybe or justice for me, I would add justice. I think, you know, that first issue was pretty good. And then you could have like a mini or an anthology title because like kickers, you know, if that was like the only issue you read of it or something, you'd be like, okay. Yeah. And, and like, you know, there were companies had like a tryout title. Back in the day, where they'd try two or three things, you know, months of something and see if people picked it up. And um, yeah. for like Night Mask, Kickers, um, those would be like, you know, you could try it out and see if people like them or rotate them in and out. Yeah. Um, Spitfire and the Troubleshooter seems like a, its pacing is like a four issue miniseries, maybe. Right. Like come to the conclusion
1: of, you know, like you'll get your revenge, businessman, and, and yeah revenge figure
0: out what happened to your father and like kind of call it quits from there yeah then oh, as far as open-ended and like how much we want to see the next one um i'd say justice and star brand maybe for me is like oh i gotta find out what happens next you know? right or it's you yeah. know Murk was good but it really kind of came in came to
1: a conclusion unless you're really excited about his family drama uh and i'm sure he'll go yeah on hopefully missions, yeah, it kind of but... leaves
0: you thinking like is is he just giving up this Merck lifestyle and going <laughs> to do like domestic comedy now Um would be not sure i'll come back for that big switch uh, out that would be impressive
1: yeah I, I he's think going <laughs> to
0: like more Latin American countries and killing everyone, but sure, yeah, yeah, I'm there. But you know, he do, but he does it just
1: to get out of babysitting duties.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry, Scotty, uh, I can't come back to another game. I it's at least sixty animals that need to jog. get them in. <laughs> Libya is calling. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I'm
1: looking at these through the lens of some '80s nostalgia also improves them. You know.
0: Yeah, it really feels like another world now. Um the the that's why I when we talked about like would if we would uh reboot them would in present day or past tense? I mean, for me, it's so associated with the 80s that I would I would still favor like, you know, more adventures set in that time frame. Right. First, I think most of them you could uh, update to the present day i mean there's not much that um is stopping you know true it isn't yeah but i don't know maybe spitfire that's like for me that's a very sort of caught between um you know the time it's like an it should have been like a cyberpunk kind of thing or you know, yeah it really it should is have been more, more like, tech
1: more like engineering kind than really computers so yeah, yeah it definitely didn't go in that computer hacking digital you know ai kind of realm it's more you know dad built a, ro- a robot suit
0: uh, so yeah yeah Cybernetics, I guess it is it was just I don't know, a few years after $6 million man or something. So this was still kind of a uh, popular thing in people's minds. Yeah, and I think a lot, and a lot of the
1: creators were sort of more old school editors who've been doing comics for a long time too. So we might not expect them to be like thinking about like cutting edge stuff that's Uh, actually a good point be more like really nice classic versions or reinterpretations of you know superhero stuff
0: yeah the um that that's we were talking just talking about the um creators and like the the new universe was just sold as like a complete marvel invention yeah there's no like no one on the cover that's like oh created by so and so even these well-respected, you know, Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson, and on if you dig around a little, but um, they're just you know in the bullpen bulletins. It's just Marvel presents these new creations, and we would call that an IP farm, I guess, today or something. But yeah, I guess. So uh, apparently, behind the scenes, the there was a hope to have real A-list creators on these titles, which you know could have only helped um and what we've got is kind of a lot of b-list and you know there's two ways to have a b-list which is you can have the older guys who just sort of been around and no one's really that excited by their work or you can have like a lot of fresh-faced kids who are doing like a tryout you know and maybe if they'd have teamed those up so you have like an experienced writer and a fresh artist, uh, or right. you have, you know, a, a new writer and an experienced artist that might've helped kind of jazz things up a little. Um, but yeah, just, this was one of the prob- problems, um, that they have by reputation is that they were, you know, not given the best, uh, art and writing teams to start with. And, um, It'll get a little weaker as we go along, I think. So. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> um, or read. I was going to say also, we talked a little about um, the diversity of the titles because they're all sort of superhero with a couple, uh, a war title, maybe kind of crime. I don't know if you'd call it that, but. Um, maybe Night Mask is a bit of a horror one yeah okay it's getting close to that but um genres that are difficult i'm saying justice is also fantasy um you know genres um would be difficult to do like western or a science fiction title because of this like you know in the current day yeah real world thing that they've got so um yeah, it there's a, a more definitely a more science fictional under underground to it but um yeah they, they they've they limited themselves with like their their self-imposed limitations they've limited <laughs> themselves with their um well, so, well anyway yeah. but the uh i had not really thought of the um, diversity of sort of reading ages mm. as i said like Spitfire feels like, a aimed at slightly younger teens. Um, right. Whereas is obviously aimed at a more mature crowd. And probably um, justice too. Justice a little. Too where you know, we were thinking about kill counts. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, those books where no one's killed. So yeah, you, you really get a range uh, or, or one person, the inciting person. Right. And so, yeah, that, that's interesting to me that you have, um, I hadn't really I, I would have expected a line of books to all be sort of aimed at the same audience and whether they meant to or not I'd say they they weren't yeah
1: yeah it's, it's hard to know it, it could certainly be intentional as Marvel at the time was kind of diverging into having like a kid's line and create you know some some separate branches kind of thing like their magazines and such but so well, anyway, a bunch of right?
0: <laughs>
1: a bunch of old PhD dudes be reading them now. So, crusty uh, old dean, we've become the crusty old dean, I think. But <laughs> rather than the uh, pranking whippersnapper,
0: <laughs> no closer to getting tenure than I was the day I read these. Things.
1: <laughs> I've got tenure, but I think it's gone closer to that, meaning nothing. So. <laughs> That's a different political discussion,
0: though. Okay. Are Are we ready to to take on month, month number two?
1: Yeah, Star Brand and Ken Connell's many black t shirts. That's cool. All right, so yeah, I was looking forward to Star Brand number two. So in Star Brand two, we have Jim Shooter as writer again and John Romita Jr. as our main artist. Uh, on the cover, we get a, a real clue to what's going to happen with uh, Star Brand kind of diving towards the reader in the ocean, uh, holding a nuclear bomb, getting away from a ship with a nice big old countdown five, four, three, two, one so I, like
0: I, that. I don't know if it's, it's just me but i don't know if that cover really looks like john armado jr's work it does not but there's no credit on they don't necessarily cover credit
1: the cover artist and it didn't look like it had a signature on it so mm. maybe that is a mystery to be solved <laughs> that's straight for another time i guess so because it'd be really boring to spend like 20 minutes looking it up while we're in the middle of (laughs) recording a podcast, probably. (laughs) Um, So so this issue is titled Taking Charge, though I think it's really, um, it's Ken exploring his powers for the most part, and, I think this really highlights the more realistic take they're trying to, to make on superpowers here, which, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, so, so in the beginning, we start with flying. So, you know, got a Pittsburgh Steelers t-shirt and his rolled up sleeve long sleeve shirt and he's flying and kind of having fun uh, get a moment where he's kind of talking about, you know, where he's up in the atmosphere, up in space, thinking that if he doesn't, keep control of his power if he doesn't focus a little bit and he might lose it right so he's you know some little more reminders of kind of how the powers work um and and then as he's flying around for a bunch of panels uh around the world around pittsburgh um he's talking about like well it's actually kind of hard to figure out where he is (laughs) right which is a nice little realistic tidbit there i think
0: yeah i mean you can imagine um pilots, uh, like small airplane pilots have to get used to sort of reading landmarks and, and things up in a way. So, um, but for like someone who's just doing that for the first time, it's like, yeah, if you're in an airplane and you're coming into your hometown, you're always sort of looking out the window like, wait, is that the thing I recognize is, wait, no, I guess not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to tell once you just get up a little ways. I'm,
1: I'm guessing the, the hero books uh, to this point have probably never or almost never had like Spider-Man struggling to find the bad guy for a couple panels you know you know like it was just assumed that you know Superman can find it he's got limitless vision hearing all sorts of powers you know but in reality Ken Connell is ridiculously powerful uh, but it doesn't mean he just knows where everything is which that was kind of fun
0: yeah it's the the lack of super senses that that is a real limitation to this power yeah he doesn't have like a green lantern ring telling him something or his x-ray vision showing him something and he's got with the
1: yeah so he can fly super fast but yeah not necessarily super senses and he doesn't act like the flash on the ground like superman can and such um but yeah, so he transitions. So he's flying around. He has to find the river to make his way back to Pittsburgh. Apparently, there's some rivers in Pittsburgh or something. I don't know.
0: There's at least three of them. At least three. So, possibly we see more. like a, 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 a number of Pittsburgh landmarks. And this is reasonably uh, well drawn. We have Point State Park, where the three rivers come together there on the like, Pittsburgh. All right. Nice. And then he goes by um, Three Rivers Stadium, which was torn down in about year two thousand. And yeah, that's true. He he he's like, I, I wish the Bucks were playing tonight. It was a domed stadium, so I'm not quite sure what he's.
1: Well, <laughs> he he's gonna rip a hole in the top.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess if he just landed on the outside, no one would be like, "Where's your ticket?" Yeah true you should try that next time the next uh panel is i think ppg place which is a skyscraper downtown and then the last one um is something i had to look up that says a building with carnegie hall on it Mm -hmm. which is apparently on the north shore that's an old uh library slash uh, music hall now yeah
1: i like those little touches you know it's like you could just draw plain buildings or or the lazy artists draw blank backgrounds but just a, i mean it doesn't take much to, to even back then reference. i'm
0: sure yeah shooter could send him some reasonable photo reference and you know just throw a few things in and you've got some local color which yeah for everything one thing that's outside of Manhattan would be like wow i can't believe something new to look at <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's a nice little touch for uh you know whatever strange people actually live in pittsburgh i guess right <laughs> but uh Indeed. yeah so the the last landmark of course is uh uh barb's apartment where he almost peeps on her changing um so we kind of transition to the next part of the comic where we get a little more of ken and the characters uh where it's, it was a little hinted at I think in the first issue but now he's quite clearly uh, a womanizer you know or maybe a reluctant womanizer <laughs> he's got a lot of relationships going on so he's watching the TV you know we're hearing about a, uh, a terrorist hijacking and, and we get a lot of information from televisions in the new universe I think which is kind of fun um, because, well, they they don't have the Hall of Justice and these magical computers that tell you about crime, right? So that, that's probably intentional. Um, and, you know, so uh, Duck, Debbie comes over. She's my favorite by, by far, I think. Um, and, you know, they're spending some time together. Uh, and after her coming over, we get the next afternoon and they're still together. So we can kind of read into that. Um, but I would point out, and of course this isn't a visual podcast but uh the art in here is nice and the characters are delightfully 80s so like duck has the big poofy like hairband teased out hair right
0: yeah Looks debbie's good. hair is uh definitely um ah it, it, it's it's something it's very like mtv of the time or something yeah. i she's quite got- think of who it would be but yeah, she's oh, got, like, yeah. the
1: a lot of ladies in blazers with the sleeves kind of rolled up and, you know, like, the big dangly uh, bracelets. And uh, we get Barb on the phone, you know, with the big classic phone. And, you know, again, I don't know what it is, but, you know, the, the style of the characters uh, is nice in these. Uh, but, yeah, so Debbie came over to, basically because uh, – Myron was looking to track down uh, Ken Connell for some mysterious reason. So they, on the next day they kind of drive to meet Myron who is our uh, junk collector guy slash therapist. Yeah, he runs like a support group of some kind which they kind of hint at. But what's interesting is that he's kind of shirtless working on a truck and talks about how electric cars are the future when the next oil crisis comes. I'm trying not to date this episode, but
0: wow
1: (laughs) seems to be happening. Um, but then also right. He brings him straight into his house where everybody's all there gathered. So, like, were they just waiting for him to show up and he's just in his yard tinkering and everybody else is just hanging out? Um, but we get a nice, a nice look at another group of uh characters which have a lot of like cool 80s style to him, too. Um, but basically what we find out is uh he wants to have he wants to talk about what you would do if you had superpowers and bring Ken along to kind of listen. So he's, he's trying to perhaps advise him, uh, in kind of a clever way. Uh, Ken's not really excited about it. so he tries to walk off a couple times and he runs into, uh, Janet, who, uh, is implied as an ex-girlfriend as well. Uh, so they talk about, you know, uh, their powers a little bit and Ken storms off and, uh, in kind of giving up and and explaining to Debbie to duck, uh, why he was so annoyed about that whole discussion. Uh, he decides to reveal to her that he has superpowers and (laughs) since there's no large boxes or couches around, he lifts up his car to show it.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, they make such a point about, uh, you know, like the structural integrity of the things that Superman lifts up in uh, shooters editorial. I'm not sure you can lift up the whole car by the door. And the like that frame part there, but okay I feel, like you,
1: I feel like you could, but you might put a nice good dent in the bodywork doing that. But uh I mean even
0: my my Miata would be hard to do, so without leaving a mark somehow. At least the way he is, right? You could lift it up yeah. like a forklift, but maybe not like holding the door. Um I anyway. want to point out that Jan uh is a also a single mother. Yep. Hey Jan, how's the kid? oh, Mike's fine, he misses you. You know, you became like a father to him when we were together. You yeah. should call once in a while. <laughs> oh, I so didn't know you Barb had that also kind of response. has two kids. <laughs> and, um, dating and it's life at this, it's, it's at this point that Ken really reminds me of a, a friend of ours from school who <laughs> kind of a big guy, worked out a lot, dated some single mothers. So. <laughs> Shall remain nameless. Shall <laughs> remain nameless.
1: Uh, I, I um, really love. There's a panel on here where Duck is seeing him lift up the car, and she's like, "You're gonna rupture yourself." And she's got this kind of cross-eyed look, and she says, "Oh gosh, you know, <laughs> like like Goofy." <laughs> in Disney. Yeah. And and it's she's a, definitely played as like less than intelligent, you know. Um, so she's uh, basically comes off as very much devoted to Ken. Um, you know I think super that, happy and sort of pleasant and easygoing. Uh, maybe not the smartest.
0: That line she has when they're driving off, I, I think it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. And you're so smart, you'll know what to do when the time comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one and a half issues in, I, I don't know if any reader would agree with that assessment of Ken, but, um, he, he I, I can't tell when i was um when i was young reading this i thought that was i don't know like her the way she talked was just because she's from like a lower class or something but Hmm. i almost wonder now if it's supposed to be a pittsburgh accent it's definitely um there is one but she doesn't use any of the the normal signifiers we have for it so okay i don't know but you don't appear
1: to have developed one yet i hope not well it's, it's it's nice i don't know but uh so so we get some more television afterwards so so another night with duck really so he drives off and we kind of get uh the next morning again and she's in a robe making him breakfast so you know they are close um so talking to keep getting
0: stronger here
1: yes it's pretty fairly blatant um so the ship is still uh, being held hostage, the, the ship Ajax. Uh, but then we also get uh, drama of an eight-year-old boy, Robbie, stuck down a well. And, and I knew there was a famous 80s kid stuck in the well, but I think that was actually a year later in 1987. So Really? Maybe baby yeah. Jessica or something? Yeah, yeah. So this should predate baby Jessica, if I got my timing right. Um, so
0: Impressive. maybe it's more of a
1: lassie kind of Timmy stuck in the well kind of deal.
0: So I was going to say the cruise ship I thought was a reference to Achille Loro, which Ooh. was a, um, like a cruise ship in the Mediterranean that was maybe taken over by Palestinians. Yeah. And, um, I didn't look up a timeline on that, but, um, this is a, you know, slightly, um, this isn't just a hostage situation. They say they have a nuke on board right? and we're, we're kind of, this is just what the TV tells us. So, yeah
1: right <laughs> so um he decides he's gonna go and try and help the kid in the well uh so we get a little bit more of you know he's, he's flying around with a map and a flashlight which again i like that stuff he's got it kind of like tucked in his belt <laughs> trying to figure out where to go <laughs> and he finds kind of like the flashing lights and stuff and, and follows his way um so he's there and then he's Trying to figure out what to do right so you just fly in there but then his secret identity's gone he didn't think to bring a mask or something to hide himself um uh, he goes with the old superhero trip of um you know what if i go what if i tunnel through the earth right you know just plow into the ground like bugs bunny and tunnel his way there and nobody will see him kind of thing um and it kind of works but as you might imagine you can't see anything right so so he says he can kind of swim through the ground but he's covered in mud he's kind of annoyed with himself um but yeah like he doesn't know what he's doing
0: (laughs) he doesn't know what he's doing at all
1: he really seems to hate mud too he does hate mud for a for a uh motocross guy that seems a little unusual (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe that's his everyman quirk kind of thing. So uh, as he's still struggling to kind of figure out what to do and not rescuing the kid whatsoever, uh, we get our Spitfire cameo. So we
0: get a crossover.
1: Max rolls in and basically just zooms down, um, grabs the kid and zooms back out like it was no big deal. Uh, So Robbie is, in fact, saved. Uh, Of course, Jenny Swenson is Obscured in the suit, so people don't see her. Uh, everybody cheers, and uh, Spitfire flies off. Uh, and of course, this piques uh, Ken's interest, though. And so he flies covered in mud. <laughs> uh, or actually, no, he doesn't chase them down just yet. Right.
0: He, he tags along behind him.
1: Yeah. So he's kind of watching. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So he's kind of watching, uh, but doesn't, doesn't, quite interrupt them yet cuz he has a shower to get
0: to. <laughs> he he sees Jenny getting out of the suit and we have more oh, right <laughs> uh, a girl, a girl in that thing. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Redhead, nice body. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Kind of embarrassing us with the thought balloons here. Yeah maybe if
1: he uh, wasn't so muddy maybe he felt a little self conscious
0: <laughs> um I must look pretty stupid, covered with mud
1: <laughs> right so so he is sleeping with duck he's still calling barb and letting her know that you know he's he's still there he's not neglect trying not to neglect her <laughs> he's fantasizing a little bit about jenny spitfire <laughs> uh and then when he gets home he thinks that he needs to call his ex <laughs> <laughs> um so that uh, you know janet can tell him about the rest of the discussion uh, that happened around what would you do with superpowers right because he was just kind of thwarted and uh you know doesn't really know what what to do um but they end up talking about the terrorists on the cruise ship again and so he decides that you know the right thing to do is to go and try and save them then
0: um, so yeah yeah it's- the um i mean so the advice she gives him i guess is that you'll know what to do when when you do have you know right. when the time comes or something
1: that was the same as Duck's advice. Sorry, right, yeah. go with your gut. So go thankfully, he has go. enough lady friends to ask advice for. From he's not at all interested in Myron, his man friends' advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, admittedly, I, Myron is a little bit of a weirdo. Uh, we don't we don't I mean, quite understand him yet. I don't think.
0: I I yeah. We we still don't have any backstory on like myron and ken and they grew up together why why are they why would you tell this guy the most, like biggest thing that i don't know yeah so, onward that.
1: <laughs> so so he manages to locate the cruise ship by following uh like a government plane like a spy plane uh off the coast so you get sort of a plausible way to locate it um and then he's kind of surveying the ship right so he's trying to figure out like okay so i'm here now what do i do how do i stop these people um and you know i like this part again because this is sort of dealing with the powers right flying is difficult you know saving people is complicated and even punching bad guys so he. Uh, we have our stereotypical arab turban wrap wearing i'm sure there's a better term for that but i don't know it uh terrorists and... they
0: specifically called them muslim terrorists yeah you... so there you go <laughs> so yeah they are um this is why i say they they, they have that sort of at the time uh, like a palestinian uh, terrorist group would be dressed like this in a movie or something
1: yeah if i was clever i should have taken the arabic looking text that they put in here and see if i could figure out if that's real um uh, but uh, anyway so the first guy goon he basically grabs the gun away and elbows him in the side and then he's like oh lord i forgot how strong i am i hit it too hard <laughs> <laughs> so he's bleeding he's got a broken arm shoulder maybe some ribs so the guy's kind of like crumpled and he's almost like he feels really
0: bad about how much he hurt that guy yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) well and and i think that's fair right like he's not just you know you don't all of a sudden become batman and like feel comfortable like breaking somebody's elbow and fighting goons kind of thing
0: it's definitely he he says nothing about having he he says he's never had guns before so i'm pretty sure he he wasn't in military experience or anything yeah and yeah we're all sort of like would find it very gross to to suddenly be like able to tear someone's arm off or something, right?
1: Because because if you got super strength then you know it's a good thing you didn't punch him in the jaw, right? You know it's like really would have just knocked parts off of the poor poor evil terrorist that's trying to nuke the coastline. Um, so yeah, I guess we should... I mean, yeah, even
0: with these the, as bad as these guys are, and they're just faceless goons who are. We're trying to take the cruise ship to New York City with all these hostages on so you're not going to attack them. But then you would have the nuke in New York City, which obviously is a bigger problem, a bigger problem. So (laughs) we
1: got to do something. So the, the, so the next guy he gets to actually tie up so he's good i tied him gag this one without breaking half of his bones um so he's taking care of the outside guards he finds his way to the inside uh, where you've got three guys and one of them and the nukes sitting there they're kind of relaxing casually with their legs crossed um uh but they got a, what looks like the nuke there and a nice trigger switch, uh, which honestly looks like a micro pipetter, but (laughs) I don't know what nuclear bomb switches look like. So Um,
0: everything I know, I learned from uh, 24. the the That's true.
1: Right. So hopefully that show was nice and realistic and they didn't (laughs) give you the wrong idea. Um, So, yeah, so he's not really sure what to do at this point because he's a little wary of rushing in and then all of a sudden the bomb goes off so we get to a a point where um you know the pressure's on a little bit so yeah it seems like a a guard finds one of his tied up captives we get a nice (laughs) eye in the background uh so you must have missed a guard um so then he's he's got to act fast um so the terrorists are arguing. He's trying to imagine how to stop them. You know, he's imagining rushing in there, but then just the whole ship gets nuked, right? He's thinking about, you know, what if I can just confine it to the back half of the ship, right? Keep the rest of the passengers safe. I'm not sure nuclear bombs work that way, but uh, I guess if it was small enough,
0: maybe. I guess he's assuming that his flare-up would, would neutralize. Oh, that's right, new... yeah.
1: Yeah, but I, mean, I read that. He's thinking that.
0: It would, if it would flare so much, it would eat up half the ship
1: so if you can control that take out the terrorists leave the people alive thank you for the correction um then know maybe you could fly off to safety with the other half of the ship but but yeah here's where the car comment came in it's like you know can i pick up half a ship is it just going to crumble and fall apart uh you know what do i do uh what's that scraping sound and so a bunch of like Navy seals style commandos start coming up the side as he's trying to figure out what to do. Uh and they're pretty decisive. They blaze in there, shoot up all the terrorists. The terrorists press the nuke button. So, you know, nice going, US Navy <laughs> SEALs. You messed that one up. Um, and then you know, they, they try and get some information out of them, but and it seems like they can even speak the language, but they spit in his face and the seals are like all right now what you know so their best idea is just huck the nuke overboard and hope for the best um and maybe just assuming there's a one minute delay on it right uh well it didn't go off right away um and then they're extremely lucky that uh ken didn't happen to actually be there and uh he's actually pretty nonchalant at this point so you know although the seals figure they're not gonna it's not gonna sink far enough to, to survive you know maybe they'll make it out probably not um ken takes it all the way down deep uh back into the mud which he complains about again so he just swims it down as far as he can go that's our cover scene uh yuck mud muddy again Boy, does that ever burn me up you know totally unconcerned of whether or not he can survive an
0: atomic blast uh, so he's, he's confident <laughs> mud is like the the color yellow to him
1: <laughs> good green lantern reference there yeah uh,
0: <laughs> yellow. Mud. and yeah, uh, i will keep throwing those green lanterns at you.
1: so yeah it's it's kind of tough so about three two wonder if duck would still think i'm smart if she knew about this bye duck so, so maybe he is thinking that's the end for him but still bothered by the mud uh, either way, that's a little strange. Um, but it goes off um, and you know, we get an owl and a crater, uh, but the ship's okay, and um, Ken is happy because the blast, you know nuked off all of the mud. <laughs> so you know, his, his biggest nemesis is no more the blast cleaned him off time to go home uh, but he makes a stop along the way uh back at the camp with the three trucks and the spitfire robot uh in new hampshire which is where our uh, people were heading after uh, issue one of spitfire
0: i really after all the trouble he had finding this like break in the woods that well he, he finds it again in like you know 20 minutes in the dark and I, I don't know true I don't want to get into it but
1: maybe he put a mark on his map his paper map
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right I mean that's, okay. it's plausible <laughs> uh, but yeah he walks in on them and they're a little suspicious I asked them yeah, about and no radiation mask. yeah no mask he radioa- asked them if he's radioactive asked them if he's <laughs> radioactive which is smart I think um we get a, a little scientist. bit. Yeah. Um, she calls their suit. So she tells him, he goes in no mask. She tells him about their suit and who they are. Um, Notice yeah. that
0: it's a different title than the, in.
1: The yeah, man. that's what I was going to say. Like she calls it in this issue the Man Amplified Construction Suit, M A C S, where usually in its own title it's M A X.
0: Yeah, that's amplified. maybe an earlier draft. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you'd think coming out at the same time that it would be synchronized, but maybe different editors, maybe. Yeah.
1: So, so he kind of gives them a warning, you know, just be careful out there, you know, unintended consequences of, you know, having these sort of powers and situations and such. And they're like, Hey, where the hell are you going? Uh, You're going to answer some of our questions. Then he intimidates them, but. (laughs) <laughs> you know crumpling a wrench up into a ball and flying off so clearly he's uh uh out of their league in terms of powers <laughs> uh and he kind of wanted them to know it a little bit uh, so then we end with the television uh and the, the government has covered up anything about what happened and like oh maybe a grenade went off and <laughs> yeah. there was some reports of an explosion don't mind all the uh, deadly radiation but that's the end of star brand number two. This is a lot about finding his powers and all we get for next is close encounter
0: is the next issue. close encounters. Yeah. That, I mean, it's interesting because in on the one hand it's annoying how like he, he's, he goes, he, he dumps his first issue girlfriend <laughs> and is like suddenly down with Debbie and maybe flirting with jenny swenson and i don't know what i'll i can't tell if some of that is like the time ta- at the time the uh 80s where it still had a lot of like post 70s liberation yeah um so yeah there's like that i'm a rambling guy i just gotta keep right. going <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever dude. um they do play him also, as if yeah, he cares I, about I mean, all of them he it's interesting because it's like it is more realistic than like Spidey being hung up on Mary Jane or God knows Clark mooning for Lois for right. even though she's a jerk to him all the time. Um <laughs> for like seven. This is like years. a tall, good looking young guy. I mean, even if he didn't have superpowers, he he would be kind of um hard to pin down i'm guessing
1: yeah and then he's got a past right he's got past relationships he's got a a variety of people he knows not just like one buddy and one girlfriend you know like a lot of
0: girls will have and and stuff and so while it's a little annoying in the sense of like he's he's kind of moralizing to uh like spitfire with you know you got to be you know careful about what you're doing everything it's on the other hand, he's, you know, not very respectable in his personal life. And it's kind of True. <laughs> so, yeah, like my, on the one hand, I relate to him. But on the other hand, I, I lose some respect for him as well. So, yeah, it's got a little bit of flaws. Uh, but Yeah, I, moral like- ambiguity, I wrote down. That's the thing <laughs> I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that yeah i um... I think it was a good issue like you
1: know if, if this is like the superhero comic of the new universe you know and they're exploring the what superheroics would look like in the real world in 1986 right so you know i think that's really what they're going for in this issue is you know you get a little bit of you know expanding his personal relationships and learning more about the mostly i guess the ladies in his life and how much he hates mud but uh <laughs> you, know, it, you know i love those little about details it. so like the you know cr- crumpling that poor terrorist <laughs> with one hit yeah
0: yeah thinking about it it's, it's almost um, like it's this is a response to not only green lantern but superman and it's so it's like a, a like shooter's thesis on dc heroes Mm -hmm. And he sure has been with Marvel a long time, but he did write for DC when he was, when he was a really young guy. So I guess it feels like he's thought about this a long time. And this is his sort of triangulation off of DC and Marvel into like a, a potential new direction where you have these like, you know, godlike powers. All the Marvel heroes are very limited. Yeah, Some of the DC heroes have, like, no limitations. Right. Um, yeah, so He's and like, you sort of combine that and show in a real-world situation. Yeah, Starbrand is interesting because I, I keep forgetting that it's, its connection to the white event isn't even really brought up yet. Um, and so it's, like, purely, like, the guy got the power and it's much different than any of the other powers that people got in the, right. in the universe. yeah in in a totally different league
1: right you know, yeah he's ridiculously powerful
0: uh, and so it's it's it also i mean when when he goes up against a nuke here i'm 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 thinking i think even back then you're kind of you know putting this up pretty high yeah. you know pretty fast you know it's like What do you get? You know, Superman started, you know, being able to withstand like a bullet and then 10 years later, a tank and then 10 years later, a nuke or even a missile. I don't know. To like just start off with the nuke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we've already had. So, yeah, it's like, like, are we going to have like a a villain that that can really take him down or is it all going to be this sort of like internal struggle he's going to have? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah saying.
1: and i imagine when they're when you know when they launched the new universe right of course they got you know before it met to reader before it made it to readers there were some problems but you know, when they're conceptualizing all these things, you know, they're thinking of this as the next big thing, like, you know, something equal to, you know, the world of Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and all those things. Um, So yeah, I think it's probably, you know, let's take all of our best ideas and all those interesting things we've been thinking about and all these, you know, veteran creators and editors, you know, like make something kind of cool and new and so we're still getting a lot of those ideas starting to come out for these early issues. So. I'd say,
0: yeah, the star brand is still the flagship title. Um, shooter's invested in it. Seems to put a lot of himself in it and uh, uh, probably the highest artist quality. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, he, he's definitely trying to shepherd this baby through, um, yeah i have also that maybe we'll we'll get to her in a second but it's strange that like um it's gonna call it fire is so secretive because as sort of the iron man movie taught us you know that that's the one hero that can be out there and people would be like yay that's my hero you know what i mean yeah perhaps though though
1: she is i guess part of the spitfire story too is that she sort of stole that lab and suit from the guy in the corporation so she still has to be although she yeah, feels morally right it, she's not quite legally uh
0: free it's uh yeah sometimes the even the 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 original marvel heroes would have a bit of a contrived like you know oh i've got to worry about this one thing that kind of lingers a little longer than it it overstays its welcome or something. Right, um, like mud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do we have a grade for this one?
1: We should have a grade for this one. Um, I, I really like Starbrand. The issue uh, was kind of interesting. It's a little atypical from superhero comic, uh, but I like that. So I think I give the first one an A minus and I'm gonna stick with A minus. I'm, I'm liking the characters, I'm liking the art, I'm liking the
0: realistic superhero details. I'm gonna oh, yeah. go ahead and give it all the way up to an A. Ooh, nice. I don't know why, but like, it's gone from like, oh, this is intriguing to, you know, uh, yeah, giving us several like, uh, here's how this would look in the real world. Here's the limitations here's like a a character that's realistic and and could have yeah uh, and so um even though there's a bit of like internal struggle as as much as there's plenty of action and um i gotta say the art and writing are are top-notch so yeah that's a good one all right Right. i think We are ready to move on to Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number two.
1: Right. I feel like we just. Spitfire and Troubleshooters
0: was uh, hit the stands in August twelfth of nineteen eighty six, and the cover has the Max Armor um, wrestling with the uh, turret gun of a tank and. Uh, you can't quite see him as well, but someone is down by the feet, uh, laying on the ground, and there's a uh, logo for the life of a troubleshooter Spitfire versus the death tank. Death tank,
1: <laughs> I feel like they called it Black Behemoth next time. In the <laughs> either in the of those, it's better.
0: Just uh, when we get inside, it's just Behemoth, and even mm. though the lettering is a little uh creative um death tank or black behemoth i would have been more excited by if i can get behind I mean, death uh, tank
1: it's a little redundant because that's what tanks do but
0: <laughs> the life tank would have been an interesting twist on things, I mean, Does yeah. things shoot seeds maybe i don't know <laughs> What have you brought us? I brought you life. <laughs> oh, oh, so, oh I you forgot to a, ask you I if, if you comic. looked up that um, wherever that the boy was, was trapped in the well because they said that was in rural upstate New York. Oh, did you, hmm.
1: did no, I didn't catch where that was. Maybe I'll I'll uh, come up with that at the end while you are uh, talking about <laughs> Spitfire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I did not look up uh, Parker's Hill, New Hampshire, which is apparently where Spitfire is. Um, And in the splash page, um, there's a little uh, exposition about um, the the background of the comic, but uh, what it has is uh, the Max Armor lifting up a boulder. And one of the troubleshooters, Andy, is uh, looking at some computers in the back of his car and telling her uh, about the telemetry equipment um, that they'd brought up from uh, MIT to investigate the suit. Stolen and, lab. And uh, he, he's, he's telling her the, the statistics on it are absolutely incredible. And uh, oh, something smells. They're a bit of a running gag where the boulder she's picked up has a uh, skunk on it. Yeah, I didn't notice it on the first
1: read, but I you see a little bit of tail sticking out on top of the boulder. Yeah, you
0: do see it a bit. I'm sorry. This is uh, written by Jerry Conway, art by Herb Trimpey, uh pencils and Bob McLoyd on inks. Herb Trimpey, uh, if I, if I didn't mention it last time, was actually the first artist on G.I. Joe. Oh, uh, okay. So um move it should the be world. uh good with tech, but mm, the uh, the conversation continues. They talk a little bit about how they were um, working out with the man-amplified experiment max suit. And uh, they refer to uh, meeting this flying guy who was, of course, Starbrand from Starbrand number two. Um, and Andy is the one in glasses. I still and have I'm a hard afraid... time telling all these guys apart. This is two, uh, two issues in a row. We still don't really know who the troubleshooters are. And sometimes or, they call them by
1: their last names or like abbreviated names and they're inconsistent. I can't it, do it. There's,
0: yeah, um, yeah. The, it's frustrating and I will be honest. There's the um, um, the Italian guy. That's a lot of personality and um, the black woman. And then the there's an Asian guy and two other white guys of which Andy is the one in glasses. That's who we're talking to. This is about all the characterization I got out of this, this issue. So,
1: well, we get a little bit of uh,
0: Eduardo this time. It's true. He's taking center stage. So um, as um, Jenny is in the max armor and talking to Andy about their recent developments, they notice a truck full of, Pick uh, <laughs> farmers or hunters uh, careening down a road and about to go off a cliff, and they're sort of trapped. Uh, oh, the the dirt track's slippery with mud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you got those big tires for, you slack jawed yokels? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they're gonna lose it unless somebody does something. Somebody oh, like, like me. me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm saying that in a very feminine voice, but... You know, oh, right. Somebody, somebody like me. <laughs> but, um, Jenny, uh, you know, Andy tries to talk her out her a bit, but Andy, I can't care about that. And she takes off with the Max Armour and some of this construction equipment. And she's uh, thinking uh, to herself again, some of the, the past of the book, but she... Um, shoots a um tow line at this truck and then
1: um electromagnetic
0: clamp uh electromagnetic clamp very good um i think that makes the suit mine morally and my responsibility so she as we yeah as andy just said the um suit is legally owned by this company owned Owned by a bad guy who probably killed Jenny's father, um, who invented the suit, and uh, now is um, she's trying to establish her own ownership of it, I guess. And so they're they're keeping a low profile, but uh, she can't resist helping people. So she helped she tows this truck back up to the top of the cliff, and uh, the hunters are. Um, shocked and odd um looks like some kind of big robot <laughs> um very astute there what's that smell <laughs> <laughs> running gag keeps going um so they there's go a back and yeah, lack yeah, of these...
1: stink lines though sadly
0: Oh man. The hell Herb trimpy uh, uh. anyway.
1: right, i might have um, some into my comic <laughs>
0: Imp- yeah, absolutely. Make right? it your own. <laughs> um, so the, the, they're back at these uh, semi trucks that are housing the old laboratory and uh, the sort of base that they've hidden in the woods for now. As I say, this is, feels like a very temporary. Like you can't continue in like a base in the woods in a semi truck for thirty right. issues. Um, so it just feels like we're still sort of getting warmed up in the Spitfire story. Anyway, so she's talking to Andy, and um, he's saying he has to get back to his class. <laughs> toot, that's what they
1: call MIT.
0: <laughs> Supposedly the MIT, and, and uh, we haven't begun to explore Spitfire's capabilities, Andy. So she, uh, she's still calling that the, the suit, the Spitfire. When yeah, so I. I-, I- and didn't we get an I am
1: Spitfire moment already?
0: <laughs> I am. The truth is, I am Spitfire. Right. Okay. Maybe they um, So um, the, the local TV has picked up the story about the hunters being rescued by a giant robot. Everyone blames it on Sweeps Week. And um, the uh, news readers are, have a gentle laugh about it. Um, but uh, both the uh, other troubleshooters back at the Toot, campus dorms of MIT, to <laughs> uh, immediately pick up on it um, and talk about uh, what, what's going on. And uh, they discuss what they should do. Um, Terry, uh, the black woman, says she could rig a mole program to burrow through the company's hit uh, computer database. And they're trying to figure out what he's, what he's up to. So a little cyber hackery proposed there, I like. But um, Eddie, Eddie Giotti, yep, the Italian guy, is over in the corner and he um, suggests they just slip in uh, and uh, scout around uh, to the guy's company. So a little breaking and entering instead. And, uh, well, what if we get caught? Well, I'll take care of that with these. See, I adapted the Max servo motor design for increased strength, built myself a pair of strong arms. So he's literally literally got like two uh, servo mechanical arm overlays and then a sort of a harness to uh, steady them on his back. Yeah, And so he's got like two robot arm hands. (laughs) to work with now i love it (laughs) and uh you just did this in just two weeks wow and uh he's like hey ferris coming from a jock like you oh ferris is a jock oh maybe (laughs) a lot of having to read between the lines here um and this is uh, something i found interesting um eddie is uh been yeah, going over the Max armor and the notes from uh, Jenny's father, and he says it's strange. But after reading Professor Swenson's documents, everything seemed so clear. The whole field of heuristics seemed like a child, like a plaything to him. In his notes, he wrote that his mind felt like it was racing at a hundred miles per hour. He saw connections and possibilities he never envisioned before. Building this enhanced Max was almost an inspiration. Pretty weird, huh? And I don't know, I mean, if they intend it this way, but it almost sounds like maybe Professor Swenson got uh, the white event, Ooh. like kicked his mind up a notch. Hmm. Maybe? Because yeah. it's he's it's interesting. He's like hmm. suddenly this like uh, Tesla or something where people are going through his notes and suddenly, oh, wow, I can you know, just from your little scribble here, I can develop these strong arms and my own you know. Is that a little Close Encounters,
1: maybe? Was that the one with the, like, building the thing out of mashed potatoes? Do I have the right movie there? Right, right,
0: yeah
1: Where it's kind of beating I, I some mean, information into his head, kind of like,
0: now I've inspired to build the Max suit number two Yeah, hmm. so I, I don't know if that's intended here but, I mean, it's a reasonable reading of it i think yeah so because like you say i mean this is this is kind of a a a gray zone where you're like well i like the idea of like anyone just sort of creating their own suit or whatever um but what would make them special well maybe you had some mental enhancement from the white event or Mm -hmm. maybe you're just the second generation you're like reading these notes from this guy who had all these brilliant insights i don't know um yeah a bit I, of I, a diversion I, here so let's yeah, get back to the story i do
1: love that the strong arms have given eddie ridiculous confidence <laughs> it's like <laughs> they're worried about breaking in getting caught he's like no way no man i got the strong arms <laughs>
0: <laughs> he 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 crushes a ball bearing that is like uh, four inches across, even though he, he never says like that. The metal the strong arm is made of is somehow stronger than steel. I don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, everything that's happened the last few weeks seems weird to me, Giotti. I thought it was just because I'm a freshman. <laughs> it was Eric, the Asian guy anyway so um so they just they're, they're like all right let's go break into that place uh terry will rig a bypass and uh terry is thinking to herself um it's jenny he's got a crush on her he'll do anything to help her and i guess i'll do anything to help him oh man little uh romantic triangle here um Giotti being one of her students makes that seem like a you know bit of a stretch so i don't know maybe
1: she's also contributing to the delinquency like she's ready to go be spitfire solve mysteries and apparently keeping andy from his coursework
0: (laughs) (laughs) so then we we uh jump over to kratzy international 20 miles outside boston where um fritz kratzy is talking to an underling, Phelan, Doctor Phelan or Mister Phelan. I don't think I got a first name on him, but he was like the second best scientist on Protsy's payroll. Hmm. And he's tells uh, Phelan to go get Behemoth and use it to bring back this laboratory and the Max armor. And um, they, where they're camped out, they they know is up by. Um, Defense Department land. And so anything goes, and they'll they'll expect the military industrial complex to co- to cover it up for him. Sounds he's right. not mistaken at all. And I think that's a very realistic <laughs> um thing. So um so he he's like Phelan's one of these underlings who doesn't really want to get his hands dirty and yeah, like, kind of blackmails him into it. And he, he's a little vague about this. I know things about you, Phelan. Personal things. <laughs> if I reveal what I know, you'll lose your security clearance.
1: It's probably got his internet search history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this, my notes is just Phelan gay?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: that would be a shocker. Oh, no. Still, yeah. I think. Um. So Phelan leaves, and uh, Kratzi gets a phone call, um, and you see that he is, in turn, um, afraid of his overlords, who are uh, called the Club, Ooh. and he's promised them he'll get this Max armor back. It'd be cool if a main um, group from,
1: like, the Conquest group from uh, Justice. I'm sure it isn't. They were kind of like the overlord uh, alien evil uh corporation and justice but they didn't call themselves the club but it'd be neat if they had a a connection there
0: yeah i so far each of the books either has like a group or a single person that they're set up against and um i'm trying to think it was the agency that that oversaw the guy who runs the clinic in dp7 right And um, you got some Russian agency. Russians in in Cyforce, Kickers didn't have one, Merck doesn't. So Justice, yeah, it was Conquest Dynamics, yeah. Good memory. And um, so we'll see, Um, several several groups of up to no good in this uh, realistic universe. Um, Let's see. So, the troubleshooters break into this, and what they see is a train that's being loaded up, and something is hidden under a tarp. And if you hadn't seen the cover of this comic book, you might be wondering what that is. But if you have, it's pretty obvious (laughs) that's the tank that they're taking. But what color is it? Mm. (laughs) Codename Behemoth, not Black Behemoth. So, (laughs) it's definitely not necessarily black. Anyway, so um, they're talking about uh, they'll they'll go up to Parker's Hill where um, Jenny and Andy are, and um, Giotti and, like climbs down a wall with his strong arms, and as long as I'm wearing these strong arms, there's not not a lot I can't do. Right, and then he like jumps onto a moving train, <laughs> and they're like, he's uh, gone crazy it seems to be checking
1: out though right so far everything's going going good for strong arms <laughs>
0: strong arms this is terrific says <laughs> trains moving close to 80 miles per hour and i'm hanging on by one hand oh yeah strong arms <laughs> so the troubleshooters are trying to follow in a car and uh it's quite some i don't know i mean the train tracks don't always go right along the road so but in this case, they, they all know where they're headed, so they can't see Giotti very well. Um, I think they—they they got a some sort of walkie-talkie or something. But he decides uh, I gotta like look inside here and see what's going on. Peels back the lid uh, or the roof of this uh, train car easily with the strong arms. Right. Nobody and, would that. He's—he's uh, he's like, hey, you'll never believe what I—and then something cracks. <laughs> and he he gets pulled or dragged into the car and that's all we see with him.
1: yeah the I, other
0: troubleshooters are like what the heck so we're just going to follow the train they're all pretty worried um meanwhile it's or the next morning it's uh dawn in parkers hill and jenny has uh, gone driven into town to get a second opinion and she calls her sensei the martial arts guy from the first issue i and do that I all got the time. to say <laughs> i got to say okay i know this is like a thing at the time you know 70s 80s you know oh my sensei he'll have the answers um he, he basically tells her you know be yourself or something yeah. um he i mean you have a redhead from boston she should be going to her priest I mean oh, you know what I mean right this is you know I, I it's frustrating wow. I, I know she she's like a moved around a lot when I was a kid and it's not like Jenny Kelly O'Hara but still the whole thing adds up to like Irish Boston Catholic something
1: spoken it's like a guy who doesn't have his own sensei So You just can't understand the sensei-student relationship, I guess.
0: I guess. I think some... he, he taught her Tai Chi, which is like the least aggressive martial art. <laughs> She's a She's scientist, like,
1: a seeker of final truths. Her feelings <laughs> bewilder her.
0: <laughs> I need advice, and he gives me fortune cookie wisdom. I mean, what did, what did you expect, Jenny? What did you expect? <laughs> I didn't even like his advice. <laughs> So uh, and where come on Andy, let's go home. And where's home Jen? A trailer in the woods? Wednesday <laughs> was right. okay well, she's she really runs hot and cold pretty fast but anyway, so um, the there the train has stopped the trouble troubleshooters are all sort of scoping it out from uh, some bushes and uh, they see the tarp coming off of the. Possibly um, black behemoth tank, death tank. What? On second thought, if this isn't a dream, I don't want to know it. So it's still like off screen. Yeah. For some reason. So Jenny is driving with Andy back to the campsite, and she's um, like, "What am I doing?" Um, and suddenly they see crashing through the woods ahead of them, and uh, basically rolling over their jeep. Uh, the black. Death tank black behemoth right and it is quite a tank um, and she's pretty impressed by it it's what is it tank some kind of super tank <laughs> Prazi has contacts with Defense department he must have developed this for them now he sent it after me <laughs> so um, as it has her in her their gun sights, and uh, but she she runs off and uh, they're they're missing. The shells are missing her and they're running through the woods and uh she's she tells andy that um they're they're just playing with us because they want us to go get the armor because that's what they want right um, and um, i think they think i'll probably think i'll fight back the way i did in that quarry two weeks ago last issue um <laughs> there's only been one <laughs> there's only there. one other issue yeah She gets back, dad didn't build Spitfire as some kind of super war toy. So this is honestly like a reasonable, like she's, you know, her father said, don't use this thing for warfare. Don't use it to fight things. And she's, that's, you know, what keeps coming up. So there's a bit of uh, conflict in her with that. So she gets back to the trucks and the troubleshooters are there and they tell tell her that, Jody has been captured, and everything that's going on with that. So, we switch over to Phelan, who's in this uh, train car, controlling remotely this tank. And Jody is over in the corner, beaten up pretty well, as he says. Yeah, yeah. They yanked, the guards, yanked him inside, and then beat him up. And the uh, strong arms didn't do anything for him. Oh, man, <laughs> it didn't exactly help. Me. What a jerk. I thought I was some boy genius. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Uh,
1: no longer able to impress the girl after he screwed that up.
0: Yeah. So Phelan's uh, uh, fighting this... Um, controlling the tank, trying to, to fight uh, Jenny. She's in the uh, max armor now. And um, he's a little rougher with her, but still they know this, this thing has a lot of... Um, they can shoot it and kind of beat it down a bit more, but there's some speaker or something and, uh, she's, uh he makes her an offer. You know, if you just give us the armor, give us the lab, you know, maybe we won't press charges. And, um, out of respect for your father's memory, why you lousy little? And then Spitfire's (laughs) real superpower, which is her anger. Yes. Pops up. And, uh, your boss had dead, killed. You're worse than a creep. You're, you made me mad. She, <laughs> she starts ripping everything up. The uh, troubleshooters are trying to jam the control signal or something, and yep. they can't find it. Um, and they realize that it's uh, going on a wire. So there's a fiber optic cable that must be pretty thin um, that's controlling this thing. So there's no... Um, signal to jam uh, in the air. Yeah, I looked that up and that's actually, they still use
1: those for like those, you know, again, not to date this, but like anti-tank missiles and such, where rather than having some sort of sensor based guidance system, it literally has a spool of fiber optics that follows behind them. So you launch it and a super thin wire just goes along with it. And so that the guidance is there. So you can keep pointing your sight at where you need it to go. And it's literally connected by a, by a line, uh, which is pretty neat. So uh, this may have been very cutting edge at the time, but it is still something we use. Perhaps not for tanks, though.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, it's one of those things. I'd. Um, Terry has hacked into the strong arms controls, made them move around, which distracts the guards. And the other guys get in there and get Giotti out. He's in pretty bad shape. Um, and you know, they're not too happy. Uh, Phelan's not happy, he doesn't want to destroy the armor. So he's, he's kind of fighting a difficult battle himself. And Jenny is just <laughs> furious. And so she starts ripping up this uh, tank. She finds the line, the tank has very um, extra senses and uh, a clipper, a pair of clippers. So she cuts the line. And then she just tosses the tank over a cliff. And, um, oh, it's Richard Phelan. He is going to get in trouble from Kratzi. Oh, yeah. And uh, the last thing, um, scratch one super tank. Let's see Kratzi explain that to the Pentagon. But then they bring uh, Eddie Giotti in. And um, what they do to him? Beat him up. His ribs feel like broken glass. Before he passed out, he wanted me to tell you he was sorry he messed things up. Oh, oh Eddie. Jenny doesn't, doesn't like stand around feeling sorry for Eddie. She's nope. staring off into space. No more delays, no more hesitation. I'm coming after you, Kratzy. Now. Now. Oh yeah. Next. Next. Counterattack. <laughs> counterattack. Spitfire at the turning point. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh
1: there are two little things i think we missed as we're going along i liked that when they're uh in their trucks in the lab um and she's cooking like on a walk heated by a bunsen burner <laughs> so that was kind of nice yeah because they're living off lab equipment and there's a great line in the narration when we get a clue that even Kratzi is afraid of his overlords um uh if professor richard phelan could see his employer now he might recognize the expression on fritz Kratzi's face is one he knows too well from seeing it in his own bathroom mirror fear naked fear i love (laughs) those lines
0: (laughs) i did like that yeah i I noted that down as a (laughs) a good one um it's uh it's fun um there's a, a reasonable action with these robot tank versus tank it's maybe yeah. a little less than you you're hoping from the cover
1: yeah um, they do they do a lot of work to kind of set up that you haven't seen the tank like the characters haven't seen it and it's kind of a mystery and it's a little bit off panel until it you know runs zooms up on and you know crushes the jeep um, but we saw it on the cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's always the thing with comics. So, yeah, if you've, if you've already told me what's coming, then that splash page reveal is a real, like, meh. Yeah. In you, the beginning, you really undercut your drama.
1: Yeah. In the beginning, I was disappointed that it was basically, it's just, it looks like a tank that's painted black, right? And maybe it's got some interesting gear on the top uh, and it's got that fiber optic t- cable. But, you know, the comic book reader in me is like, expecting something like weird and impressive but then i kind of thought about it and it's like well well this is a grounded universe right you know this is you know what did they have at the time not you know they're not filled with weird mega tanks and exotic equipment it's just kind of like a cutting edge tank that's maybe a little stronger and has a cool remote system and it's you know painted black so although the comic reader in me maybe was hoping for something kind of big and flashy uh you know then i when i thought about it i kind of respect that it wasn't right otherwise the max it didn't go over the top kind of with some Kirby, right?
0: uh yeah right. machine yeah. yeah um yeah you're really walking a fine line with some of this like trying to give you know it's the visual medium you want something that's interesting but if you just draw the same tank they've seen a hundred times well I and mean, so yeah um so yeah it, it's 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 getting um it's it to the side of caution uh, and realism right. and frustrates you a bit um so. i mean i just if there's like a you know in conception i feel like spitfire should be the inventor herself like they're yeah. looking at this suit and they're like you know it's like Uh, Ken's uh, star brand it's just like a gift they got from someone and so Mm -hmm. they're kind of investigating it scientifically but it's like wouldn't it be more interesting to have the inventor be the hero of the comic strip yeah well maybe they
1: were just trying to diverge it a little bit from Iron Man
0: yeah I mean it's I, I, I also was wondering is this like meant to appeal to the female readers more you've got the female main character and the sort of less bloody, you know, uh, yeah. Storyline. I don't, I mean, the relationships amongst the troubleshooters is, you know, doesn't really add up to very much. So it's hard to say that's not something that would maybe grab a young woman in the mid eighties. but
1: yeah, yeah. Her, for all of her scientific accolades in the first issue and you know her all the universities she's from and she's a big time professor at mit for these kids and uh, she's not really doing anything sciencey <laughs> um, yeah that's also mostly just I mean, like yeah. thinking about things you know angry about things you know flipping the switch and you know wrecking the tank uh, yeah she's not showing off her uh or scientific chops
0: she didn't even make
1: the strong arms
0: did not yeah the the troubleshooters are you know that's an interesting development that certainly i didn't see coming um i think it it kind of grows from there so um we'll see i i think they're they're i mean the troubleshooters are like i said before you know this is before hackers, but it's after like real genius. And yeah. you could kind of pull elements from each of those things in retrospect now and say, like, you can either have like college hijinks and, you know, cool um, pranks and things. Um, or you could have, you know, cyberpunky hacking into computers and you know mechanical uh, whatever and they're sort of left with neither i don't know how but it's leaves it right. all quite flat i yeah, keep thinking like a, you could
1: it's more of a you know almost more of like an on the run kind of story too where they're you know up against yeah, the yeah, odds yeah. kind of thing rather than uh, you know either of those you, two you have a, a,
0: several contrived uh a contrived situations to keep them from um, being like uh, normal kids at university who are developing a super weapon in their spare time, or something. Right. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I would have liked they, more college pranks. I, I mean, like
0: I said, it feels like you, you're, you're, you're going to run out of room with the crotty and. So they're setting up the club now. Okay, <laughs> but um, if, that just means more crotzies I don't know if that's right. Gonna be my- Somebody's yeah. going to
1: out Crotzi Kratzi. <laughs> and then an even bigger group that they're afraid of.
0: <laughs> and the last, two tanks. <laughs> the last issue has like the head of the club being like, yeah. Oh, no, the agency is calling me. (laughs) Send
1: out the death tanks.
0: (laughs) So, um, yeah, I can't quite tell if it's like in conception or execution, but it remains um, flat. And I, I, you know, I, I still also think if you, even at the same time, had given this to some manga artists, You would have a very cool uh, strip where, like, you had five, um, you know, very different personalities that were recognizable, and like a very cool mecca that they're all trying to make or something.
1: At least some, like, classic manga differentiating hairstyles would be nice. Because even though, yeah, I gotta look up her name, you know, Terry or Teresa you know has like short black hair too so uh, they don't all they don't stand out much
0: uh, it's so it's a frustrating book i i mean it's um it's okay ish it's uh it doesn't uh live up to some i don't know you, you you're always sort of thinking that, that that was wasn't the best choice they could have made or you know so maybe that's just me. The, mm-hmm. I start uh, um, thinking it's it's okay when I start, and this uh, issue is same to maybe a little weaker because I'm getting more frustrated that you haven't brought out these characters and enough for me to care them about them or know them. Right. So. That's right. You want to rank B- it minus to C plus area B-C there. Plus?
1: Okay. <laughs> I still enjoy it. Um it's yeah, I agree with all those criticisms. Um they really could do a, a better job with the troubleshooters, and I think they kind of try to do that with Eddie. Um, you know but to me you know it's eddie with the strong arms in the beginning is the star of this issue so i'm gonna go a little higher and give it a b i liked super confident eddie who can do no wrong because he's got strong arms <laughs> so God, that that gives me enough joy especially because he just fell into the <laughs> into the uh train and lost them and didn't even get to punch anybody and it just didn't work out (laughs) um so so for that reason i'll go a little higher uh but yeah i'm I'm still hoping for some better characterization there for sure Uh, but you still got a giant robot suit fighting a tank and i can get behind that
0: yeah it's also i guess the only female-led um series true Um, most of the you know the the groups all have uh, female members, but um, yeah, Justice Merc, night Nightmask, yeah. his sister.
1: Yeah, but she's definitely more sidekick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so Starbrand's girlfriend and Merc's ex-wife, and
0: well, it's not like they, yeah. They, they, there's a lot of um, strong female characters um, just racial just, di- diversity and I, I that's probably a topic for another day all the um, uh, books I think have a interesting group for you know if people look back at the 80s and think you know whiter than white bread they yeah. are not looking very carefully so
1: Yeah, I think we're still kind of in the era where you have a diverse cast of secondary characters to the main character who
0: is generally a white dude. Yeah. So... So I guess that's Wayne in Cyforce.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they did, in fact, kill the Indian. Good callback. But well, yeah, we'll do Cy Force and Night Mask issue twos coming up next, right?
0: I guess that is our next de- destination. Uh yep. tune yep. in oh, go next week. We'll see you back at the spinner rack. Oh, nice. <laughs> you got a knack for this. <laughs>